On Sunday next, the Great Pink Run will be taking place in Leopardstown in Dublin, aimed at raising funds for Breast Cancer Ireland. To tell us more about the run and about their own experiences with breast cancer, I'm joined by Rachel McKenna, who was diagnosed with stage four breast and bone cancer when her baby boy was only 11 months old, and that was just last year. I'm also joined by Sirka Lavelle, who was diagnosed with breast cancer at just 22 years of age. That was six years ago. Welcome to you both. Rachel, I'm going to start with you. Um, Thank you both for being here, by the way. Thanks Um, for having us. And I know, Rachel, you're still kind of dealing with your cancer. So thank you for being here. Tell me, though, when did you first feel unwell or notice anything being amiss? Um, I suppose I found out I was pregnant in February 2020 and about seven weeks into the pregnancy I started getting pelvic girdle pain which I thought was quite unusual and quite early Um, and then as the pregnancy progressed the pelvic girdle pain was getting worse and worse and worse Um, but everyone kept on saying you know once you have the baby it goes and I was like right that's grand you know I'll be happy out I'll be sorted um, and unfortunately, that wasn't the case for me. When I had Elijah, the um, pelvic girdle pain just kept getting worse and worse. Um, until eventually one day, we actually had just gone out to the zoo and we were walking around the zoo. And when we came back, I couldn't get out of the car. Um, I had to physically crawl out of the car into the house and I was just writhing in pain. It was horrible. So uh, my back had actually just gone at that point. Um, So we called the doc on call. He came out, he gave us some medication. And then over time, um, uh, it just kept on getting worse. But even after... Um, I had given birth at the six week check. I had mentioned that I was feeling very, very fatigued because I'd also had COVID during my pregnancy. I had a difficult pregnancy. I had um, an appendectomy at 17 weeks and I had COVID and I had um, gestational diabetes. So there were a lot of complications. So um, at six weeks uh, postpartum, I was still feeling not great and uh, they just thought maybe there was a possibility that it could be long COVID. So we did some blood tests, nothing showed up. And then a couple of months later, I was just completely aches and pains. And um, the doctor thought, oh, you know, it might be just pregnancy related. So we kind of put everything down to everything being pregnancy related. And then eventually when my back did go, um, we went for an MRI So we were just expecting, you know, maybe a compressed disc and all of that kind of stuff. But unfortunately, when we got the results, I went for the MRI August bank holiday, Monday. I'll never forget it. And um, on the Wednesday, I got a phone call from my doctor and um, she explained that they had found METs all over my spine. And sure, I didn't have a clue what a met was. I was mm. like, oh, OK, OK, some, right. What's, what does that mean? And she said, Rachel, unfortunately, it's cancer. So um, I had also found a, a lump in my breast in June, but that was much later after all of the other symptoms. And um, at the time, I wasn't worried about it. And my doctor had referred me on for a breast check as well. Um, 
but we just thought maybe it was a cyst after pregnancy. Um, but when we got the results of the MRI, um, she then said to me, she says it's looking that maybe that lump on the breast might be something more sinister than just a cyst. And unfortunately it was. It turned out to be um, breast cancer. And um, unfortunately it had spread to the bones. So it was in my spine. When I was admitted to hospital in August after the diagnosis, I had uh, five vertebrae fractures. Um, and at this point, I was, you know, taking medication, back up, walking around, you know, while trying to walk around, hobble more so, because you have a new baby. Like, what? You, you don't have an option. Like, you have to look after your baby. He was nine months at the time and, you know, um, he wasn't walking. He was just about crawling. So, um you know, you don't have an option to sit down and just be grand. But I remember saying to my partner, it was like, it feels like my spine can't support me. Mm. And as it turns out, it couldn't. It was uh, it was fractured and I was putting um, bed rests straight away because they were afraid that uh, the spine would collapse at that point. So uh, straight in for radiotherapy and that helped that. So that was stage one <laughs> of the process. And then what I'm, I'm looking at you both now, but I'm talking to you, my Rachel. You look so healthy. I mean, you, you look so well <laughs> and you are so positive. Yeah, I think um, for me personally, I, when I was diagnosed and myself and my partner Aidan didn't even realise just how bad it was. It was like they said it was breast cancer and we kind of went okay, it's breast cancer, we, we can deal with this. There are so many new innovations, you know, yeah. it's, you know, we've got it, we've caught it. I was like, rip it out, doesn't matter. And then we realised it was stage four and that uh, it's incurable, like it's, that was it. But I had said to Aidan that I really felt that there was a reason or a purpose behind it, that I had got this so I can experience what it's like so I can help other people and get the message out there as well. I had always been very breast aware. I had checked my breasts. I'd been for a mammogram when I was 39 because I thought I'd find a lump. Um, And throughout my entire pregnancy, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on, you know, breastfeeding and that, but perhaps not an awful lot on, you know, really familiarising yourself with the changes in your body during pregnancy. Um, So I felt that, you know, there has to be some purpose to this. I can't be given this gorgeous little nine month old baby just Elijah. To, Elijah. Oh pet, absolute pet, just to just to leave him. So, you know, there's a purpose to this. Like I, you know, if I can experience and help raise awareness, well then that's that's something good that can come out of something that's so negative. And that's just the way I need to think about it in order to get up every morning and deal with it every morning and I believe it I I believe it to my core that this is what it is and I've decided you know 84 is my number and I don't plan on going anywhere before I'm 84 (laughs) and see my little man going to school and you know we've got our wedding booked for 2024 and you know there's lots of exciting things to do and um, you know any day that I can get up in the morning and give my baby a bottle and have a cup yeah. of coffee and a cuddle before work 
that's a good day. And the fact that you have plans in place to get married to Aidan, who's obviously been right by your side through all of this. Amazing. That's probably something really to look forward to as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, like it comes at such a shock to you as an individual whenever you get that news. Um, but, you know, and the worst part for me is seeing like my friends and family upset like you just feel so bad and so guilty but Aidan is such an incredible incredible individual he's an amazing partner he's an amazing uh, father he's just sensational and he's been with me every step of the way unfaltering and I'm so blessed so blessed to have him in his life have him in my life and uh, I'm sure Elijah just dotes on him sure him and his daddy, him and his daddy, <laughs> especially when I'd been in hospital for, you know, there was a period of three and a half months that um, I was in hospital and, you know, Aidan was managing everything. And we we're so fortunate that uh, his mum and dad and his family live close by and my family came up and we've had so much support from all of them. Like we couldn't have managed without uh, both our families but uh, you know he was still working and he was mm. minding the baby and coming in to me in the evenings and dealing with all of that like he's just he's he's fantastic there there are no words <laughs> and describe. of course they probably all take their lead from you of course because you are so strong and amazing if they were here they would say that <laughs> yeah it's funny they do say that and oh. I'm just like I, I don't I don't feel that I am I just feel that uh, I think if you know, sort of you're probably the same. When you're in that position, you just feel like, okay, this is the way to go. Mm-hmm. And I suppose the alternative, um, there isn't really an alternative, especially when you have a young baby and when you are young, like mm. I still consider myself quite young. I'm not and yet you are. 40. <laughs> um, um, so there's so much um to go for and you know when I look back over the last year you know this time last year I was in hospital I was in bed rest I you know since then I'd surgery on my legs to get rods put in so I could walk and you know the progression that has been made you know I went back to work part-time um and even though I you know last week we found out that it had spread a little bit more but I just keep on focusing on, OK, it has spread, but I feel good. The pain is under control. Um, thank God it's not in the organs. Mm. Um, so it's just looking at the positives as opposed to, you know, thinking of, oh, you know, it's spread. And mm. everyone deals with things differently. But this is, I suppose this is my way. There's a bit of denial in there, but I think no, denial isn't always a bad thing, I don't <laughs> think. <laughs> no, it's great. Circa. Tell us your story. So I was 22 when I was diagnosed. I had been to my GP, I think, in the May of 2016, just to get my pill re-prescribed. You have to go in, you have to get like your blood pressure done. And while I was there, I found, I had found a lump earlier on. Um, so I just said to my GP, can you just have a look at this? It was about the size of a pea. And like I was only 22. So I was like, oh, there's nothing. It's, it's going to be nothing. Um, my GP was with the same. She was like, oh, I'm sure it's nothing. My mom had suffered with cysts before. So we just thought it was a genetic thing that it was, you know, normal yeah. like um, so she would have done the same as yourself she's like let's send you off we'll send you off to um, the breast clinic so I waited until the August or the late um, July I would have gone into the breast clinic um, and I got seen to 
and then the consultant checked me out and it was he was like I want you in tomorrow to get an MRI done and a biopsy and a mammogram so it was like very quick like so it was like he, I think he knew as soon as he saw me because in the time of me seeing my GP to go into the breast clinic it had grown from the size of a pea to about the size of a golf ball so it had grown massively in that kind of short space of time and I was getting really really bad pains like starting pains through my chest where I couldn't breathe so it was coming directly up and then in through my breast and towards my chest and mm. it was so uncomfortable and that was in the period of me waiting to go to this clinic and I thought there's no point in going back to the GP because I have this appointment so I'll just continue with this appointment um, and then so I did that I got my biopsy done I was still full-time work I had like a group of girlfriends and we all thought it was nothing we were like oh it's nothing like they're just doing this as a precaution like you have to do it you have a lump it has to be seen to I was still so naive I took like half days off work to go into the hospital my mom came with me um, and then I went back on the 17th of August for my results again I took a half day off work I worked in Dublin City Centre I got the Lewis from work and I took a half a day because this is how like naive I was the whole situation because again I was like you know what? I'm so young yeah. this can't 22. be 22 I was 22 yeah. I was only a baby like I was yeah. like this, this isn't something that actually is going to happen to me but then yeah he brought me in and together they did the whole little chit chat of like so this is your name this is where you live this is what you work at they do this whole like general chit chat when you go in Um, and he just turned around and he's like unfortunately I'm diagnosing you with aggressive form of breast cancer Um, and I remember I was just like oh my god and my mom was there and we were both so shocked and I couldn't believe it I and then I don't really remember anything from that and then it was the 31st of August so two weeks later I had started my first round of chemotherapy that's how quick it was it was just straight after another all the way and that's how it continued for my whole treatment. So I would have done a couple of weeks um, of two round, two doses of chemo every Wednesday. Um, and then I went on through Christmas, still doing chemo. And then in the February of the next year, I had a mastectomy on my left breast. And then I did radiotherapy for a full month straight consecutively. And then we did an elective surgery on my right breast of reconstruction as well. So I have I did a double mastectomy at the end of it at the age of 23. I'd had a double mastectomy, so it's a bit of a whirlwind. <laughs> you also look great, by the way, just Thank for you. my listeners, <laughs> like you both look really hot. But like, I think part of the reason also you both want to be here today is, as you say, when you're 22 years yeah. of age, you just don't think. No, sure you don't. Not at you all. could ever have no, breast cancer. not at all. Like, because as I said, like I had a group of girlfriends and we all thought the same. Like, and I would never probably like very naively, I was never breast aware at the age of 22. Mm-hmm. And then I'm the very same as you is that I feel that this was something that I could bring with me. And then I can give it to the younger generation of this does happen. Mm-hmm. And there will be people younger me, younger than me as time goes on. And that's just natural. But it is something that people need to be fully breast aware and they need to be able to go to their GPs and their GPs need to be able to know that this is the way that it goes and it is very much of that sense of that it it does happen to younger people it's not people like both of us very young it happened to it's not people that happen in their 50s which is what most people will put this disease down to it's not and it it happens to younger and younger people as the years go on so it's definitely something that I feel really passionate about. And when you mentioned your friends the circa I mean how did they react to your news I suppose and does it make them all more mindful now of checking them? Definitely 100% my friends were all shocked we're all of the same like oh my god like it's just it's so surreal and then to have to like ring your friends and tell them that like that's really hard as well 
well. Um, and it's just like, it's so bizarre to have to do that at 22. But now everybody I meet, I'm like, are you breast aware? Like, I'm like, <laughs> you're random, right? I'm like, you check your breasts? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really looking at me like, I'm 10 heads. I'm like, yeah, check your boobs. <laughs> That's very funny. And actually, Rachel, funny enough, just what Hazel and Cork has just texted and say, no, Rachel's absolutely right. Women are so less mindful of their bodies or if something is amiss after giving birth or, you know, when they're pregnant. All our concern is for the new baby. My cousin was similarly diagnosed with breast cancer four months after having had her very first child. But she's thankfully now four years in remission, which is a good story. But it is correct, isn't it? Like you want to warn people of that as well, that when you're pregnant or you just had a baby, you can miss things. Absolutely. And like, as I said, I was breast aware beforehand. I had, you know, I got pregnant in 2020, February 2020, December 2019, I had a mammogram. And, um, you know, I was just so surprised that, you know, it, it had never been mentioned throughout the pregnancy or mentioned afterwards. And um, there are so many changes happening. And I suppose I didn't fit the profile either. Like I remember on one occasion, like on the phone to my doctor because, you know, COVID was going on as well. So you had the telephone conversa- uh, consultations and stuff. So, and I remember crying down the phone at eight months going, it's not natural to be in this much pain mm. at eight months postpartum. It's just not. And um, like she agreed, she absolutely agreed. And like that's when we, we kind of moved on at looking at things. But, you know, no one had said to me, you know, that... There are, pregnancy completely changes your body. Childbirth completely changes your body. You're exhausted. You're yeah. mentally exhausted. And you're so in love with this little bundle that, you know, it's totally natural that they are priority number one. And you do put yourself on the back burner and we do forget about ourselves. But I think the other thing is as well, and similarly to yourself, Sorka, like... I was only 38 and Mm. I was like, well, sure, you know, actually I'm grand. Like it it can't, I'm too young. And then you look at, you know, 23% of cancers found, breast cancer are in women under the age of 40. And you have to question like, why, why is this not being looked at? You know, that is not an insignificant number. And I understand that there are issues with, um, you know, the mammogram looks at different coloured matter and stuff and it's more suited to say somebody over the age of 50 because they but an ultrasound why couldn't an ultrasound be offered in you know something similar to a smear test you get a smear test every two to three years you know I've heard of so many young women young women particularly after pregnancy um, who are uh, contracting this horrific disease and You know, you just can't help but think, you know, why is there not more kind of recognition, more awareness, more talk about it? Now, October, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I know you both want to tell me about the Great Pink Run happening next weekend. What's happening? 
Sarka <laughs> or Rachel, both of you. Um, okay, so the Great Pink Run is um, a dual event this year. It's our, uh, being held both in person in Leopardstown Racecourse this Sunday and then it's been held in Kilkenny the following Sunday. But uh, it can also be done virtually anywhere in the country. Um, there's a, a great emphasis this year on the funds being raised are going towards metastatic disease and research. And uh, continuing with the research and education, Breast Cancer Ireland are brilliant in the sense of where all their money goes towards their research and education and awareness, which is so, so important. Uh, So the Great Pink Run is a way of helping raise funds for this. So you can do either 5K or 10K. Um, You can walk, hop run, scoot. I think I'm going to be trying to walk. And quite possibly may have to be wheeled for some of it as well, but it's like getting You'll be to, doing it. I'll yeah. be doing it in some shape or form. Um, and it's just a brilliant opportunity for people to come out and, uh, you know, have fun and raise awareness about this illness and getting the word out there and getting funds together. Yeah. And I know, Sarka, you're doing it, aren't yeah. you? You're actually running. I am. Yeah. No, I'm not going to run. I'm going to walk. Oh, you're going to walk. It's good for you. <laughs> well, it's a bit of a push there. And I'll be walking. For it. anyone who wants to, to take part, you can register in this great event at greatpinkrun.ie. Listen, lots of people texting and haven't got time to read them to say well done to both of you and to say how brave you are and to thank you both for being here and making people aware. And I concur. And thanks so much for being thank here. And look after thank yourselves. You, you both look great. Us. Stay being well. Thanks for having us.